everybody. Uh, welcome to another edition of Stock Talk. This is episode 25. Uh, my name is Amon Reina. I'm an investment coach here at Sage Investors. And today I want to talk a little bit about uh, an investment decision I make. Uh, one of the things I work on is, is helping, me make pe- helping other people make better investment decisions. Well, I just want to share with you uh, some of the investment decisions that I'm making personally. And uh, one I just made the, this past, uh, past week was to buy some stock, open up a position, and buy some shares in Whole Foods. So today I just wanted to kind of walk you through kind of my thought process and how I came about coming to that investment decision. And uh, for those of you who have followed my blogs and or, or have followed some of our previous editions of Stock Talk, I've talked a little bit about uh, a process or a framework that I, I, I work with when I did work with people to help them make those investment decisions. And fundamentally, when you're looking at deciding whether to buy or sell a stock, it really comes down to answering eight questions. I found that if you can answer these eight questions, you have a pretty decent idea of whether you're gonna buy or sell a stock. So I'm just gonna basically uh, share with you my analysis of Whole Foods through answering these eight questions. So let's just jump right to it. Question one, the first question I always ask is, what do they do? What does the company do? What do they sell? So what does Whole Foods do? Well, essentially, if you know, if you know what Whole Foods is, they're a grocery uh, chain. Um, they sell grocery produce uh, type products. Uh, the difference is, and their differentiation is that they are more catered to more higher quality types of uh, products, f- uh, fresher produce, uh, more organically inclined uh, type products. Um, so when you go into a Whole Foods, it's not just about just going out to buy uh, you know a, a dozen eggs. It's about buying organic type eggs or uh, high quality grain fed eggs that are fed by chickens that were you know laid eggs by chickens that uh, you know were eating you know, nothing but uh, natural type foods. So uh, that's their key. That's one of their key uh, val- you know value propositions. And one of the uh, building on that, it's all about uh, providing their customers with an experience, but getting getting customers to get more uh, personal with their foods. And it's not just about selling them a, a head of lettuce; it's just it's telling them a story about that lettuce, where the lettuce came from, who the farmer was, what they're all about, what their philosophies are towards food and and and, and such. So it's it's creating a much more personal experience that for people uh, to have with their with what their food and what they're consuming. That's the Whole Foods type of gig. Question two, who do they compete with? Well, one of the unique features about Whole Foods and why the, it's been such a popular stock over the years is that they've essentially owned the whole upper end of uh, upper end grocery kind of market. And uh, especially in terms of organic foods and higher, higher quality type foods, they've, they've really differentiated themselves quite effectively. And of course, when you are deemed to be the leader in, in a certain area, you're going to have competitors. And so over the years, uh, recently, we've seen uh, entrance into that high-end food um, sphere space through like, people like Walmart, uh, Costco, uh, Target, um, have been introducing more health-conscious type foods and more organic kinds of foods. And that's kind of, and it's had an impact, and it's eating away into their market share. And the stock has taken, uh, and it's a big reason why the stock has, has fallen back over, over the last while. Um, so, uh, you know, grocery chains, uh, if you, you know, the traditional grocery market, uh, retailing market, very low margin, it's all about volume, low margin, and, uh, and so it's, a, it's an ultra-competitive kind of uh, marketplace. So there's, there's, a, there's enough competition to go around. 
Um, question three, um, who buys their products? Like who goes into a Whole Foods? Well, ten, it tends to be upper income, um, more predominantly higher, well-to-do people, um, more people who are more, uh, more food conscious, the more foodie kind of crowd, people that kind of eat to um, live to eat, I guess, so instead of eat to live, um, more health conscious, uh, and uh, that's, that's their main kind of group. Um, and the, one of the natures and people why Whole Foods kind of, ha, kind of has a love-hate kind of relationship is, is because of the price points. Their food is, uh, their produce and products are much higher than typical other chains like going into a Walmart or a Target or a Costco. Their, their products are much more higher expense, uh, expense. And so a lot of people complain about Whole Foods kind of basically catering to that, you know, that whole 1% kind of thing um, and not really catering to the masses. Um, so that traditionally they've been going out after the high-end market, high-end uh, demographic, but uh, over the last year they've uh, announced a bit of a strategic shift in that they're opening a new type of store called the Whole Foods 365, which is going after um, the more millennial crowd who obviously may not have that income to spend on their traditional sh stores, but are still seeking um, high-quality food and are very health-conscious. And so they're trying to basically trying to down, go down market a little bit and try to offer a little bit more of a value proposition to that segment. And so they've just opened up the first store and they're looking to open up a bunch of stores in the next year. And so it's a big kind of game changer, potential game changer moment for the company. And I'll talk a little bit about that in terms of how it could affect their existing clientele. Um, question four, um, do their customers, will their customers come back uh, again and buy their, buy their products? Well, one thing that Whole Foods has developed is, is quite a bit of brand loyalty. People that shop at Whole Foods are very loyal to the, to the, to the, to the store, to the brands. And uh, it's all about, again, a part of the whole marketing and part of the whole image that they project is, is this community aspect of it, really getting into the community and getting people more uh, feeling like they have a community kind of feel to, to, to the store and having a relationship with the people that work there. And so it's built a quite a bit of brand loyalty and there's vigorous defenders of, of the whole Whole Foods experience um, on that side of it. So the question is, will people come by to buy their products? Yeah, that's, that seems to be the case. Um, question five, and you know, one of the most fundamental questions, do they make money? Does Whole Foods make money? Well, if you look at their earnings uh, uh, from an economic profit perspective, which is what we focus on, um, you know, if you look at their returns on invested capital over the last three years, they've averaged, they've come in between 25 and 27%, which is for a retail grocery kind of chain is amazing. Um, if we compare that to the company's cost of capital, which is about 11%. So this company is creating really significant economic profit, really significant tangible wealth. And uh, this is despite the fact that over the last few years, they've been losing market share. And even, you know, sales have been kind of flat and stuff, but they're still generating high returns on their investment, invested capital, which is ultimately as an investor, that's, that's what you're looking for, is, is this company creating tangible wealth? From that perspective, Whole Foods is doing very well in that side of it. Question six, does the company, uh, you know, who, where did they raise their money and who do they owe it to? That's the question we ask. And really it's all about looking at the quality of the company's balance sheet. If you look at their balance sheet, they have hardly any debt and they have minimal goodwill or intangible assets and there so it's a very solid very clean balance sheet and it's in a way it's it's made whole foods a lot there's been a lot of rumors over the years and there was one actually last week about a potential private equity company coming in and buying out the company because um, it's a company with low such a strong clean balance sheet it's really like red meat to a lot of private equity uh, takeout kind of companies uh, takeout artists 
Um, so there's a lot of rumors over the years about Whole Foods getting bought out and kind of, you know, like an LBO kind of situation um, because of just the way it's structured and just because of the cash flow, enriched cash flow that this company has. Um, it's, you know, companies salivate over the prospect of taking over it. Uh, question seven, risks. Any risks facing the business? Well, the fact of the matter is, um, the grocery business, as I said, is low margin. It's uh, it's very much volume driven, and Whole Foods has really differentiated itself away from that by uh, selling higher margin foods, and uh, has been able to kind of get away with it. And so, as people have been seeing that their market share has been slipping um, to other com competitors, people are wondering if Whole Foods potentially could become sort of that uh, the uh, like fall in line with the other. Uh, grocery chains and become more focused on the low margin side of it and obviously that'll have an impact on profits and ultimately an impact on the stock prices. Um, it's possible and I think the big thing is this 365 store model is going to be a big challenge because the fact of the matter is they're going, they're trying to offer their, a differentiated product to a different crowd at a lower uh, price point which eventually is going to impact margins. So, but on the flip side, if they do go down market, the risk is, are they going to offend their existing customer, who, who I said were very loyal, <coughs> very loyal to the company and very, have a lot of, you know, really relate well to the brand and to that image. Is that brand going to get diluted if they go down market? History has shown um, that luxury kind of retailers that kind of get away and kind of go more mainstream tend to really have a hard time, um, really damage the brand and have a hard time recovering from it if it's not done properly. Um, and the other risk is that, you know, ultimately the risk is will the 365 stores kind of cannibalize the profits from their existing high margin stores? That's the real debate and that's why people are a little bit down on the stock because they think it's going to happen that way. That's, that's how it's going to shake out. So when we get to question eight, um, is the stock cheap? Um, well, right now we bought in at $29. Um, from valuations that I've seen out there, the stock is, is valued between, you can find it between $36 and $45. So there's at least 20% upside right now from where it is right now. Um, so in that perspective, it's trading, from, from a discounted cash flow perspective, it's trading at a discount. So when you factor all these elements in together, strong returns on invested capital, strong economic profit, um, it's still, despite the fact it's lost market share, it's considered still the dominant best of breed um, upper upper level food retailer in the country, and in, in North America. Um, it's still got a very solid uh, management team that is very, very committed to the brand. Um, it's not just a bunch of fly night by people looking to flip the company type thing. It doesn't seem like that. The original owners and founders of the company are still there and they still have a very omnipresent uh, in, the, in the running of the operations. And they're very out of the box thinkers. They're not your traditional um, you know, corporate kind of, well, you know, they are corporate who isn't, but uh, they, re they really like to push the envelope uh, in how they present their products to, to, their, to their customers from that sense. So their competency uh, level is, is still pretty high. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to is this 365 store going to make or break the, uh, make to break the business model and, you know, force them to go down market and cannibalize profits from their existing stores. The reality is, like if you look at other grocery chains, they all have different kinds of uh, store models or store products. Like you know, up here in Canada, they have the Loblaws uh, chain, and you know you have like your discounted uh, stores. You have a Great Canadian Superstore. You have your TNT type super, uh, store that they they bought recently, uh, <coughs> and uh, I think it's possible if you look at uh, other other companies, other similar grocery companies, they've been able to um, compartmentalize different. Um, business models and offer them out to different to appeal to different demographics and different market uh, sizes 
So looking the way at Whole Foods has expanded also, um, they're very meticulous and very strategic about where they you know, expand and put their store. They've very much resisted the Wall Street pressure that they have to grow at a certain ridiculous level, like 20, 30 multiple, you know, hyper growth kind of thing. Um, they've kind of said, you know, what we'll do, we'll grow and we'll do our thing according to what makes sense for the company. They don't seem to be very focused quarter to quarter kind of thing, which is great. They're long-term strategic thinkers, which, which is, as an investor, that's what you want. <clears throat> so uh, I think from that, when I, when I take all these elements and put them together, it's a really well-run, well-managed company creating tangible profits, got a really clean balance sheet, stock selling at a discount, despite the fact that it's losing market share and it's despite the fact that it's out of favor by, by the analysts and by the investment community, it's still making money. And as long as you're making money and making tangible wealth, um, you're going to be all right. You're going to be around. And you take that with a competent, forward-thinking kind of business uh, uh, management team, um, there's a shot there. You got a shot. And I, I don't think you, you know, it may not work out. The 365 model may not work out. Nobody knows. You, gotta, you don't know until you do it. But uh, when you put all these elements together, it seems like a reasonable premise to make an investment decision to, to, to buy some stock. And so what I did was I, I've had it on my buy list for the last about six months. And uh, my, my thesis was really if the stock went down to like 30, under 30 bucks, I would buy it. And it did. Um, just last week, and I coupled with the fact that you know the Canadian dollar has been kind of appreciating big time against the U.S. dollar. It's gone from 146 to 126. It was almost like another 15% discount on the stock. So I put those elements together, and I said, okay, I'm going to open up a position. And so I bought a small position um, at about 29.62. And uh, the plan is, you know, if the stock keeps going down, uh, falling down from here, then you know I, I have I'm no I'm pretty comfortable in buying more stock, assuming the fundamentals of the business again stay consistent um, I have no problem buying more and averaging down um, from that perspective so uh, so to me like Whole Foods is kind of one of those companies that I look for well-run well-managed businesses out of favor by the by the investment community um, but still creates tangible wealth still owns uh, you know a best-of-breed kind of position in the marketplace and selling at a discount you know what else do you want clean balance sheet seems reasonable to me so I mean I pulled the trigger on it so uh, just gives you a flavor of how I go about making those investment decisions. And as I said, this is something when I work with other people, I, I, this, is, this is essentially the, the mind map that I go through in, in, in formulating these kind of decisions. So that's all I got for you today. Uh, if you got any questions, you hit me up at, uh, by email through my website, uh, www.sageinvestors.ca. Or you can direct message me through Twitter. My handle is at Sage Investors. And follow me on Sage Investor, uh, follow me on Twitter. Um, where I just tweet about you know, all random market musings and my own personal investment decisions. I tweet anything I'm thinking, it's on there. So um, check it out. So that's another edition of Stock Talk. And uh, my name is Amon Reina, Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again.